I am starting a new series of teachings today that I've actually been wanting to preach for a long time. Sometimes when you're setting up a uh, church calendar, you have to like mark things off as like, okay, I, this is going to be really good for the fall. This is a great kind of Easter series of teachings. And unfortunately, I've been sitting on this one and it's been annoying me because I've been really wanting to talk about this stuff that I've been kind of researching and learning and growing. And um, so today is losing my religion. And this series of teaching is about, you know, kind of what we put our faith, our foundation in. And sometimes when you hear Losing My Religion, you might think of that REM song, which is fantastic. Or you might think if you're from the South, Losing My Religion is actually a term for uh, having a temper or uh, getting angry. And so, you know, somebody, I'm sorry, I lost my religion there. That's what that means. I'm talking it, you, you can go with whatever you want on any of it, but I'm primarily looking at it as... Why or have we as a, as a people, what are some parts of our faith are we losing? What are some things that we've left behind or some, you know, the importance of, you know, a religious foundation, these roots that we are slowly kind of walking away from, and eventually you'll lose it entirely. And so maybe there's like a disconnection between you and your faith, or uh, maybe there's a, a people that you're feeling kind of just lost, or maybe I just don't have a good foundation in my life, or things seem really shaky. And immediately what we often do is we try to fix things ourselves. And so that's what today is going to be about. Now I have these flowers up here, let me move this back a little bit, for a purpose, why, uh, while I was on sabbatical, I, I was kind of walking and praying and reading quite a bit. And one of the things that fascinated me was this kind of series of teachings by this Jewish philosopher. It was called Cut Flower Ethics. And I'm kind of changing that a little bit because I think this is more appropriate for, for us today. I feel like we are beginning to see the results of a cut flower Christianity. And a cut flower Christianity means this. When you cut a flower, they give you that little packet of magic potion or whatever that is when you get flowers from the store. That's to preserve it so that they last longer. But immediately once you cut those flowers, they are beginning the process of dying. They are immediately in the process of, of they've lost their access to the nutrients that, that gave them life. Now, they look pretty for a little while, but eventually, time wins. Eventually, they will begin to wither and die. Eventually, they will begin to droop and to slowly lose their beauty because they do not have access to the thing that gave it life in the first place, the nutrients from the soil, the thing that kind of grew it up from the, from the roots on up, and it, and it bloomed, and we come in and just say, I want this in my house, Right? You can do that with Christmas trees. You can do that with any type of, kind of agricultural thing. That you, once you cut it, it's in the process of dying. That has happened to us as a people of faith. And how long we stay pretty, cut off from the source, depends. But I think it's a generation or two. 
That if once we as a people have been cut off from the source of Scripture, the source of the nutrients that gave us birth, eventually those will have consequences. The results of that will be death, spiritual death. But when a society and a culture is cut off from its source that gave it life in the first place, it will look okay for a little bit. Because it has some water, it has the magic potion, but eventually it will die. And so the series today, and that's what we're going to be kind of walking this through, is we're, we're going to watch these plants die over the next few weeks. Isn't that great? Okay. Um, do we have any good, any good gardeners in the room? Okay. Nobody, everybody's killed everything. Okay. I, um, I am not a good Gardener, Gideon brought home a, uh, a tomato plant from uh, elementary school, uh, and we, we put it in the ground and then totally ignored it, right? Um, it has produced one tomato, and it might, if we get lucky, we might get a second. There's something happening that it, we might. It, it's a little beige right now, and that's as much gardening as we've gotten in. Um, I require plants you can totally ignore. Uh, so there, we have lilies in our yard. Don't touch them. You know, they just kind of come up every year. There they are. And there are, however, there are some people that are fantastic gardeners. But their work begins far before you get to eat something. Right now there's people just swimming in tomatoes uh, and cucumbers and all kinds of stuff because in the spring they were working on the soil. They were putting the nutrients into the soil. They were building up, you know, kind of a good foundation and a base for these plants to come through. And now they're reaping the harvest that began many months ago. And we don't love, as a people, doing the dirt work. We just want to go to the store and get the tomato. We don't want to be necessarily connected to all of the work, all of the soil, all of the the time spent when there's nothing happening. We like immediate. And Jesus talks about this, and he uses agricultural uh, framework a lot in John chapter 15, and that's what this series is going to be based off of, is this scripture. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so it will even be more fruitful. Jesus is going to be very repetitive here, because he's trying to get a point across. I just want you to see what words he's using over and over and over. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you don't remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Remain in me as I remain in you. I am the vine, you are the branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. Many times and far too often we get that flipped where we think we are the vine and we can attach Jesus to us. When in reality, it's the other way. 
That Jesus is the source of our nutrients, not ourselves. Jesus is the, the source of life for us, not us. And Jesus is an activity that we get to glue on along the way. When in reality, it's Jesus is the very foundation and the nutrients of the soil that we build our life out, out from. But somewhere along the way, we cut ourselves off from the source of that. Somewhere along the way, it could have been a generation ago, it could have been a decision that your parents made, it could have been a decision your grandparents made, it doesn't really matter. But somewhere along the way, our foundation moved off of the word of God onto something or someone else. But when storms come, all of a sudden, we begin to, to scamper and try to find anything that's solid. Because all of a sudden we realize that we have placed our entire identity, we have placed, you know, everything that we've built our life on is starting to falter and fail. It's actually a good reminder. After September 11th, the highest attended church Sundays in America were recorded since World War II were the two months after 9-11. All of a sudden, when the world got weird in America and everybody kind of got, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, what's going on? The highest attended Sundays since World War II, when all the guys came back, was the two months after September 11th. Why was that? You have to think, all of a sudden, there's a moment where they said, I need something solid. I need something to build my life around. I'm scared. I feel frightened. I need to go back to my roots. And it lasted a solid two months. And then life happens. And then eventually, habits change, patterns get disrupted, routines get shaken. And all of a sudden, we just stop putting Jesus first. I'm not saying we, we kicked him out of everything, but I'm saying he's like top three. You know, maybe he's third or fourth. I'll get involved in faith when I have more time. I'll really get in, involved in my faith when, when I retire. I just have too much going on at work right now. And then the other side, I really will get more involved in our faith when the kids, the kids are really busy at school right now. So there's a solid, like, five years, you know. Sometimes I'll have, um, I'll be like, pre, uh, counseling a couple before marriage, and they'll say, I say, well, so when do you want to start having kids? When we can afford it. And every parent goes, oh, they're never going to have a baby then, right? <laughs> no parent has ever been able to afford a child, right? And in the same way, everybody that says, I will get serious about my faith, and another time, won't. Because life will always be there. Patterns are hard to create. And so in reality, what happens is we often start choosing other things, other things that are good things, and we place them in a different priority. We put, them, we put those things first, not saying you know, we're you know, out worshiping other things, but we're making those decisions that put Jesus and our faith constantly our third or fourth or fifth on our priority list. Jesus is saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. And all of us say, yeah, I'm going to try. 
I'm going to try. What happens then is, what do we do with this scripture? Go to verse uh, 7 for me, Bruce. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Remain, remain, remain. Do we believe this scripture? Do we believe the Bible? In reality, what we're talking about really is, do you believe the words that Jesus is saying? This is all about how you view Scripture, and does it have authority in your life? Is it authoritative? Does Jesus have a say in your life that you take seriously over and beyond anything that you personally want? Or are there parts of our Bible that we don't necessarily love, so we just skip it, or we say, you know what, I'm just never going to read Ephesians again. Um, I don't like that part about Jesus. Or There's parts of us that have that in it, and there's parts of the Bible that we really, really want to teach. And then there's other parts that we don't. Or there's parts of the Bible that you say, you know what, I'm gonna, this is the Jesus I love, this version. How many different Jesuses do you have in your head? How many different versions of Jesus do you think are in the room? How many different versions of Jesus are there in the world or in the city? So when, if in reality we think that we get to kind of determine who Jesus is and what he is, that's because we are then placing the authority of Jesus on myself because I get to determine what he says. And he's saying, if you remain in me, I am the authority. I give you life. You might have cut yourself off from Jesus a long time ago, or maybe your family did. Maybe there's a decision made two generations ago that is now impacting you and how highly you view Scripture or how highly you view view, uh, uh, worship in church. Those decisions made generations ago are now showing up in you. So this is what always kind of fascinates me. What decisions am I making now that will show up in my grandchildren because of how I taught my kids to view faith. Doesn't that kind of freak you out a little bit? Like when when my kids are sitting around talking about me and how, you know, how I did as a parent, are there going to be things they're going to say, I'm never going to do what dad did? Right? Because you say it about your parents or your grandparents. I'm never going to do this, or I'm going to really, this is going to be the most important thing in the world to me because my dad didn't. What will they view your children or your grandchildren about how important faith was to you? Because what you are teaching them through your actions and through your decisions will show them, there's, there's a lot of words we say, but actions are what resonate. When you lose a parent, years and years go by, and I wish I would have thought about it when I, but you eventually forget what their voice sounds like. And there's a day when that happens, and it's hard. Now, I don't think that'll, we'll have recordings forever now, but I have no recording of my parents. I, I can't remember what they sound like. But what they did, and the things we did together, and what was important to them, that resonates through my family. 
We are trying to live this life cut off from the source of all of our nutrients. And we are seeing the results of it. We are, we are getting the exact results that you would expect when we cut ourselves off from the authority of Scripture. We are seeing every bit of it kind of leak out, and because we are desperately searching for a foundation. Everybody is searching for connection. We're searching for, for community in something, or we're trying to place our identity in something. Maybe it's in, in a politic or a, or a cause. Maybe it's a certain way of, of living, and maybe it's a, you know, a certain person that you are holding up. Or maybe it's in your, uh, somebody else, a spouse. You've placed your identity in them. They will all fail. All of them. No matter how great a person is, they will fail. They will die. You will lose them. And eventually, you will take a step back from your life and realize, I have built my entire identity on something that will fall. And then we wonder why things feel shaky. So when things get really shaky, all of a sudden, people start to, to look back and say, okay, what can I build my life on? And they go back to faith, they go back to church for a while. But eventually, there's this hockey tournament there's, my kids are really busy right now. I'll get to that later. Work is nuts. And we start making little decisions along the way that will impact you personally right now, but also impact generations to come. Have we removed ourselves from the soil of Scripture? How often do you spend time there? How often, personally, do you spend time, let's just not even say, okay, everybody go home and read all of Revelation today, okay? It's because Jesus has this giant checklist, and he's saying, well, Tom didn't read Ephesians. Okay, let's knock him down a, a level in the hotel in heaven, right? It's not that. It's where are we putting our roots? Where are we placing, you know, our, the things deep, Roots. Right now we have, we have a very shallow root system built off a lot of different things. And a storm will come. Then we're going to realize we had no depth. We had, we had no root structure that can stand strong and hold on for, for dear life. I remember right after Hurricane Katrina, I went down to, to the, the Gulf and was doing some repair uh, uh, mission work, but also just fixing up people's houses. And what's fascinating was in Gulfport, Mississippi, there was a train track. Anything, the train track, town, ocean, anything after the train track was pretty good. Anything before the train track was gone. Like, not even like, hey, I can't find, my house is wrecked. Your house is gone. Because a wave came in and just scooped the house, took it out. Didn't get past the train tracks. But what was scary was it was, you could still see, just a bunch of foundations. So you're walking through where somebody's house was. And the only thing that was there was just foundations. And if they had a chimney, you would see like a little nub. But usually it would take the chimney too. But the foundation was still there. Because it was in the dirt. It was in the soil. 
Everything they built up upon it was gone, but that foundation was there. How's your foundation? What'd you build it on? And honestly, if something tragic or horrible happens, what will you run to first? See, it's, I wish it wouldn't take tragic. But very often, when things like, like September 11th or when a loss personally in your life or a scary diagnosis, there's something in us. People run back to faith. They will run to find something of substance. They will run to God. And in reality, what happens is, all of a sudden we realize verse 5 is true. So let's go back to that for me, Bruce. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the vine, you are the branches. How often do we say to Jesus, I am the vine, and Jesus, you can be a branch attached to my other identity. I could graft you into a part of my life, and it works for a little bit, but we've cut ourselves off from the source, so this flower is dying because it is not in dirt. It is not in the soil. You may still be in water, but you need planted. You need to take a seed off of this, find some good soil, put it in, put it in a small little container, and it's going to look really small for a bit. And that's okay. I'd rather be that than this beautiful flower cut off from the source. I'd rather be the small little seed that just has this little seed-like faith that just knows and trusts that the soil will give me strength. And eventually it will grow. The father is the gardener. will tend to it. We'll get the, the weeds out away from it. We'll take care of it. Make sure you have the sunshine and the nutrients to grow, the water, all the stuff that is needed, and you'll eventually begin to build a faith again. And once we get big and we get all this fruit, we say, sweet, I did it. I did it personally. God wasn't involved at all in this whatsoever. We cut ourselves off and we move on. Uh, keep verse 5 up for me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Remain in me and I in you. Remain is a choice. There will be a lot of decisions for you today this week, in a month, the best decision you can ever make is to remain. Because the battle that is going on outside of you and all around you is Satan whispering to you, you're too busy. You don't need to do that. Spend your time over here. It's just these quiet whispers of you to make a different decision, to change your foundation, he just starts to chip away at it. But do you believe in Scripture that says, in Jesus that says to you, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
Do not flip those things. Do not switch those things. You need to remain here because without me, you can do nothing. You might look sweet for a little while, but you are in the process of dying. All of us are. How is your soil? So the next few weeks, we're going to give you a lot of application. But I just wanted to kind of build this foundation of this scripture will be kind of the basis for it. We're going to be in a lot of different places in the text that will show kind of clearly uh, what our worldview is. We're going to talk a lot about biblical identity and what are we building our lives upon. And I hope it will be very applicable. Not just, hey, Tom said stuff, but then you'll go out into the lobby and there will be a ton of places for you to plug in, uh, a lot of different venues for you to get deeper in your faith and grow roots that are strong because storms will come. And the point of church is to make heaven crowded. And so what we want to do is get you involved and connected to Jesus as strongly as possible so that when those storms come, you got good roots and you'll be all right. Because we know and trust that Jesus is who he says he is. And we believe him and his word. Amen. Once the team comes up, let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for my friends and family here as we grow and build a strong root system. We ask for your guidance and your provision upon all of us. Pray for James. He just wants to be, he just wants to be up on stage with Dad. We love the little guy. So God, this morning, I just thank you for this. I thank you for the privilege and the opportunity that it is to worship, to sing your praise, to learn more about who you are. May we worship you in song and in spirit and in community. May we build that foundation. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.